Hey Mark, you ready to rumble part two? I, I can't repeat the same thing. The listeners will have to live with uh, without the knowledge of what I had said initially before okay. you had uh, technical difficulties. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I will continue my anecdote. So... <laughs> I was getting fitted for a suit for my sister's wedding. I'm a groomsman, so I didn't have to really do anything other than go in and have them measure me in about 45 seconds, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad ha- had to actually shop, so I had to, or I got to follow him around and have him interact with the sales associate and stuff. Mm-hmm. And all I could think while, it was, while I was there was, man, this is where Grant should work. Maybe not now, but someday you should totally work at like a men, some sort of you menswear know, store. Menswear store, yeah, a haberdashery, if you will. Why? Why do you say that? I I don't know. I just think I think I was enthralled with the idea of you going to work every day, dressed in a suit and stuff. Or whatever, you know, uh, high fashion uh, you chose. And I think the thing that really sealed it for me is that our sales guy, despite having a much bushier beard than you're likely to ever grow, did have some really killer socks that you would have loved. (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. So, I, I don't know. I just feel like I could see you doing that as like your... You know, you you get you do some really awesome stuff throughout your life, and you do you like retire early at fifty five, but you get kind of bored, so you work weekends at some at some menswear store. <laughs> like I could totally see you doing that. I think it would work out great for you. And that's funny. Okay, so so you it's you think that I would fit in there more of than you think I would be good at it. Well, I think that you could be good at it, uh, okay. especially okay. given you know thirty years of experience talking with people. Over the course of your career, you'd eventually get there. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, I do think that, like, you do have, like, despite how much I rail on you, you definitely yeah. do have the charm for retail. You huh. know, even among okay. even among other guys, I think you would. I think that you would enjoy it because there's something about working at a store like that where the sales associate is far more in charge than some, mm-hmm. you know, sad person who's working at, like, a Macy's or something. Yeah, so you're saying I'm bossy? I can be No, 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 that. no. I mean, I'm saying you don't have to be. Like, it's a high-class store. Yeah. You know, guys are not there to argue with you or anything. Mm-hmm. You get to be just, like, the knowledgeable person in charge one way or another. Yeah, they want to listen to you spew your BS, and I love spewing exactly. BS. Exactly. Like, like, I think that it would actually <laughs> go super well. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it should become my side hustle. Could be. Maybe if I decide I need stuff to do on weekends, or I need extra, extra, uh, what's it like? Uh, uh no, pocket money, pocket there money. You go. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering which one you were gonna go well, for. If you were gonna go for pocket money or like a rainy day fund. <laughs> no, I had a lot of things that ran through my mind that were completely nonsensical, and I'm glad I didn't say them aloud because I think some of them probably would have sounded really weird. <laughs> but that makes for a good title. Um. Don't censor yeah. yourself unless it's swearing. Well, some of them would have been like enough of risque words. So uh, okay, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like 
I feel like you'd yeah. fit right in. Yeah. I always enjoy going to those types of stores. I feel like they're also unnecessarily overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of fun. It's fun if you have an excuse to like not be the center of attention. Mm. Sure. And I feel like that's, it sounds like that's what your experience was there, where you could just kind of like chill in the background and think rather mm-hmm. than having to like constantly talk with a sales associate like, oh, I don't know. Does this fit? Does it not fit? Mm-hmm. I think it feels like it fits. Yeah. Or like no, I, I, I totally like get that. that. I like, know. yeah, I mean, that's, that was my one experience buying a suit over the past couple of years was exactly that of, mm-hmm. all right, how does that feel? I don't know. Fine. Like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a long time till I'm in a position where I need a suit that fits like incredibly well, you know? Mm-hmm. It just needs to fit well enough. Well, no one ever needs a suit that fits incredibly well, but it's just like, it's it's part of the fun. I know, but some people are more in a position. It's like no one needs to, I don't know, that <laughs> metaphor didn't work. No. Um, uh, I do have a menswear <laughs> trivia question for you. Oh, no. I'm going to get it wrong and I'm going to look like a numpty. No, no, this, this is an easy one. Okay. Hit me with it. Uh, have you heard the term executive fit? Hmm. I think I have, but based on what I'm thinking its definition is, I might not have. All right. What do you think its definition is? I feel like it's like a euphemism for big and tall. You're darn right. (laughs) More big than tall. Yes. <laughs> it's basically a. It's, I was right. It's basically a, a term for there's a little extra fabric around the belly area. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's such a good euphemism. Then, <laughs> I when I when you first said it, I was like, oh my god, that should be that. Uh-huh. And like, I feel like it's that, but maybe it's just my like hopes that that's what it means. Nope, because it's hilarious. It is. It was really cool. It was really funny when we found that out. <laughs> Yeah. And luckily it was in a good context. The guy pulled one of those suit jackets out and was like, oh, you don't need this <laughs> to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, hey, yeah. you know, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I feel like out of at least amongst retail type stores or customer facing um, mm-hmm. roles, I feel like that's where you would thrive the most. Yeah. Because, like, I wouldn't want to see you being, like, a bartender. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think... It depends on the type of bar. That's true. I think you don't have the long-form talking. I mean, maybe this podcast is really just grooming you for exactly that. Um, (laughs) Who's to say? But... Hmm. I don't know. Long form talking. What kind of bars do you go to? I don't know. I feel like I feel like that's the cliche thing that you hear about like interviewing for being a bartender is like just something along the lines of tell me a story. Really? Yeah. Well, I don't have that impression at all. Yeah. But I don't know. I get as you said, it totally depends on the bar. <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like I definitely wouldn't excel at like some sort of real busy bar mm-hmm. that's not my environment well that's the other nice thing about something like menswear you know it's oh, yeah. never that busy 
And like, even if it is, it's not like that busy, that busy. Exactly. There's a real upper limit to how busy a men's warehouse can be. <laughs> yeah. And like, there's a, there's an upper limit to like, it's not like you can be asked to like make five drinks at once and then have to remember what they all are. Like, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Maybe it is. Hey, if you work at a menswear store and you think we're <laughs> totally full of BS, hit us up on our email or our Twitter or comment in one of the comics that we've recently read on Go Comics. Based on what I saw, you know, being able to observe as a third party for most of it, it was mm-hmm. mainly having to memorize the numbers of measurements. Yeah. Because you want to measure pretty quick. They take four or five measurements. You got to remember those four or five numbers. But that's about it. Because the guy definitely did not bother memorizing anyone's address or phone number or anything because he asked for it every single time. Yep. And maybe that's a tactic. Maybe that's a tactic to be like, oh, I'm not going to remember this number. I'm not creepy. But I don't know. If I was in that situation, I would have never thought that was a possible tactic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, neither would I, but it's the only thing that comes to mind for like why you would purposely like like why you would bother to ask it every single time. But like like do they know that you're putting it in every time if you do memorize it? That's fair. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> like I feel like they'll just assume that your system is well designed that you don't have to ask for their number five times fair yeah hmm. but are you do you know what kind of suit you're getting for the wedding a black one is what i was told by the guy okay no yeah. that's good it's solid yep. you can use it for something is it a rental or a? yeah it's a rental because the, oh, okay. the um my sister's fiance is paying for the groomsman's suits oh nice yeah is that an expected thing? I don't know. Uh, I know there's so much like hoompa doompa around weddings. Yeah. And like I have no I, idea what any of it is. All that I know is or all that I've come to understand is that almost everything that my sister is doing could be viewed as semi non traditional in terms of like paying for things. Mm. In certain sense. Like, not literally everything, but a lot of stuff, you know. Um but yeah, I don't know. This it came as a surprise to me that he was paying for them. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have really cared one way or another. I think I just kind of like something that he just kind of decided to do. Which you know, when my little sister found out, she was really upset because my <laughs> older sister is definitely not paying for everyone's dresses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's fine. Fine by me. Yeah. No, it's a nice gesture to do for your groomsmen. Yes, it is. Um, so yeah, that's nice. warehouse. I don't know. Can you think of like any other store, any other type of store that you'd rather work at? Oh God. That's a, that's kind of a hard question. The easy question is, are there types of stores that I don't, or I wouldn't want to work at? Oh well, yeah, but that's most that. of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we both agree um, on that. But types of stores I think I could work at. No, there's probably not many. Hmm. Like, uh, no. Okay, yeah. I have another thing that I think you'd be good at in your old age. Okay. 
given the correct location, you could be a good docent at a museum. I was going to try to pretend like I knew what that is, but can you explain what a docent is? Yeah, I actually learned that term about three years ago, so don't feel too bad. Um, it is <laughs> it is just the the old people, often volunteers, that you see at museums who are just there to tell you about the stuff at an exhibit. Oh, yeah, I could totally do that. Yeah, there's just there just is a special term person, for them. <laughs> yeah, as an old person, I could definitely do it. Now I would hate to do that, but like older, tired Grant is going to eat that crap up. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, it has to be like the right thing. Like I could, I could rock it out of science museum. Um, yeah. it would be pretty rad to work at like the baseball hall of fame. Mm-hmm. What do you think about you and working at like a, a ballpark, like a baseball stadium? Mm, depending on what I'm doing, I'd enjoy it. Like I, I'd work as an usher. Yeah. You know, because I know of someone who retired and, like, their whole career was always, while they were working, had always been, like, people-facing. And they, it was just, like, always focused on, like, talking to people and building relationships with people. And then they retired and they were just like, I need something to do. And they loved baseball. And so then they started working at a stadium as an usher. And it was just, like, the fa- their favorite thing that they've ever done in their life. And it was, like, the perfect position for them. Yeah. I could see that a little bit with you. Not like as much the people facing side of thing, but you could definitely do like good at it. Oh, and well, I feel thanks. Like it's an environment that you would thrive in. Yeah, something like being an usher, like that. That's uh, like I don't mind people facing stuff as long as it's in an environment that I like. Like I was an usher yeah. for two years for the Minnesota Orchestra. Oh, I, how did I not know that? I don't know because I didn't do it that much. But yeah, I was a volunteer oh. um, usher. Because it's a like similar to being an usher at a baseball game, it means that you get to watch the thing. Yeah, like being a, especially a volunteer one. There are some paid ushers at at the Minnesota Orchestra, but they're the mm-hmm. ones who have to, have to actually deal with stuff. When you're the volunteer, all you have to do is like smile, hand out programs, and then you get to watch the entire concert. Yeah, <laughs> and it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there was actually one funny story. Uh, I remember this now because I was um going through some old pictures with Aaron and this one popped up where there, there was some issue despite being an usher there for like one or two years I never got a name tag <laughs> never and so every time I'd go there was a there's an usher supervisor whose name was also Mark and technically his last initial was E or something like that so I was Mark E most of the time when I went until one day I was working. One day I was working and Mark was the usher supervisor. Oh no. And since I didn't have a name tag, I just had to pick a different one. And so I, there was one, I think it was Marty. (laughs) Because I was like, oh, that's the closest one here to my name. Marty. (laughs) So I had this name tag that said Marty. And I am, so I'm handing out programs. And this old lady who used to teach the bell choir at church where I was in youth group uh, comes up and, like, thinks that she recognizes me, looks at my name tag, very confused. (laughs) So I had to assure her that, yes, yes, I am who you think I am. There's just a little confusion on the name tag front. (laughs) That's awesome. Also, Marty is such a perfect name for that story. Yep. What a name. (laughs) Uh, so yeah no that was a good deal i actually 
started the process of becoming an usher for the San Diego Symphony. Um, but it was, it was a bit more involved. I never really got it sorted out and then everything happened. So, um, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's a, it's a good gig, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty easy to get cause you have, all you have to do is be a friendly person. Yeah. Um, and then you just get to do, see a bunch of free professional music and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Scamming the system. That's all right. That's what it's for. They know. Mm-hmm. All right. Shall we? Mm. Shall we proceed with the evening? If I say no, will that change things? No. Unless you okay. have something else to talk about, which you don't. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grant. So, if I understand correctly, Grant. Mm-hmm based on your comment before we were recording, you saw that I had written second next to my comic, and yet you still picked a comic that you did not feel was sufficient for going first. No, I <laughs> I feel like it can be sufficient. I just, like, I don't know. It's a real mindset thing, Mark, you know? Like, uh-huh. like what I can do with a comment, or with not a comment... With a comic or a comment. Nah, shoot, there's no comments. Crap. Um, <laughs> what I can do with a comic really depends on, like, kind of my mood a lot. And, like, I was feeling like it's been a rough day a little bit when before we started when I was, like, choosing my comic. But then, like, now that we've started, like, I can definitely make this a first comic. Don't worry. Okay. Sounds good. Glad <laughs> we sorted that out. Uh, Grant has brought the nightlife by Keith Knight. And we have a um, comic with the first panel captioned, It's my birthday. And uh, uh, one of the characters with a nice party hat on is lifting up the top of a cake platter, revealing uh, nothing, and exclaims, Hey, where's the cake you made for me? And someone pops in from the side of the panel and says, I hate it. And uh, the party hat fellow says, You ate it, but it's my birthday. And uh, the person who made the cake said, I gave you 20 minutes. With a pregnant lady in the house, you can't expect to have your cake and eat it too. And the man in the party hat looks very sad, um, eyes down, and sighs. Now that you've read it, it sounds a lot more depressing than when I read it in my head <laughs> as I was finding it. So I'll, I'll start to walk you through my logic with why I chose this comic for this week. Please do. And it's going to be throwbacks to long and convoluted, very adjacent topics. I wouldn't have it any other way. So I searched for have your cake because I assumed that would find me have your cake and eat it two comics. Cause in the past couple of days, I've been thinking about kind of a concept that, um, it's kind of the, I don't know, like the, the third cousin to have your cake and eat it too. It's 
have your cake and don't want to eat it, but still have to eat it because you're really good at eating cake. Ah, that old maxim. We recite that every single year. Yep. Yeah, episode title right there. Nice and succinct. (laughs) But so what I wanted to ask you about, Mark, was are there any things that you think you're really good at, but you really don't like doing, but you end up having to do it because you're good at it? Uh, I can give you a very concrete example that came up uh, over the past four months. (laughs) Perfect. And that would be training teachers how to do Zoom. (laughs) Yes. I knew you'd have something. Yep. So this is, I mean, there are other things. Like a much broader example is basically like customer facing stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm a nice Minnesotan boy who really doesn't want people to be upset, but I kind of hate being like that sort of a person. Well, like we went and worked at Applebee's and stuff, but we'll stick with the Zoom training. Um, So. Yeah, uh, way back in March, I was just told that I was going to be the person who knows everything about Zoom for the company, mm-hmm. so I set about learning everything about Zoom. I was very good at it. I wrote up a bunch of documentation, and then eventually, after I trained, because I was told that I was in charge of learning Zoom, I then had to train the entire company in how to use Zoom, so mm-hmm. I did that. And then, because I did that so successfully, and none of the directors... Had done this. I so I trained all the directors, right? Mm-hmm. And then when the classes first launched the first week, we discovered that even though I had trained the directors, the directors had not done a thorough job of training the teachers, or the teachers did not really get the basics down that well, like they should have. For mm-hmm. example, several teachers could not figure out how to share their screen, um, which you know is important. So then it was decided yeah. that. Every single teacher had to train with me. Oh, And God. so I distilled down the training. Like, I had done it several times at this point, so I created a checklist of things that every teacher needed to know how to do to even, like, do class at all. Let alone the, like, skill of being able to navigate an online classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I had to do all that, and what it ended up being was... Was it, it was either nine or, nice, it was either nine (laughs) or 12 hours of training over the course of like a week that I did. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, is not awesome. So, yeah, so I did all that and then eventually it was behind me. And then, for the summer, we were creating a new virtual campus. Um, so so an official online school through AOPSA would be done through Zoom forevermore. Um, mm. And we had to hire a bunch of new teachers for this. And so, once again, I was called on. Uh, this was mm. like a month ago or so. month and a half ago, maybe. I was called on to reprise my role as the Zoom trainer. Mm-hmm. And I did a few sessions, and luckily, the person in charge of um, setting all these up uh, was able to, see, to was able to see two things: one, that this was a waste of my time because <laughs> I'm doing this like during the day. I I was do I did a few on like Sunday afternoons because uh, a lot of these people, you know, like they work full time and just want to teach in the evenings or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. And so I did a few on Sunday. And so it's like, this is a waste of my time. And it is untenable and unsustainable to say there's one person in the entire organization who we're going to say is qualified to teach teachers how to do Zoom. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a sustainable way to do things. Mm-hmm. And so I put in a lot of effort um, and I like made several videos totaling like 15 to 20 minutes of instruction that were basically what I would do for Zoom training. I just recorded myself doing it on my screen with a voiceover and everything mm-hmm. and created a checklist. Like I did everything that I could to try and make this more self-contained. And lo and behold, just last week, I was asked yet again by the physical campus people, hey, like we're going to start this year online. We've hired a bunch of new teachers. Can you do some Zoom training? And I was finally like, very honest of like you know what i really don't want to like if 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 we decide mm-hmm. that that's really the only good way to train these teachers and that's the best way to do it then fine i'll make it happen but mm-hmm. i've made these videos um that do everything that i already said the, the everything that i would already do i made these videos um i have this checklist i have this annotated version of the checklist with extra information and like, I can do more of, like, a question and answer type session, if you want. But the Zoom training of me just sitting down and for half an hour monologuing about how to use Zoom, mm-hmm. like, it kills my voice way more than you kind of think it does. Like, at the end of doing the Zoom trainings in March, I was, like, having a cough drop and a cup of tea before each one. <laughs> like, my voice was so shot. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, it just kills your voice. And it's just, and again, it's a big waste of time. Like, it's a waste of my hour to do that um, in, in my mind when we should be just training other people to do this. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be my job. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's the first thing that came to mind. I <laughs> <laughs> like that one might have been a bit bottled up, Mark. No, not at all. Yeah. I've told plenty of people about it. <laughs> Oh, just because you've been pouring out of the bottle doesn't mean it's not still in a bottle. <laughs> Touche. So I feel like I can kind of assume somewhat the answer to my next question. But how do you feel about jobs or not necessarily even like work-related things, but things that you are good at but don't like doing? Do you have a general sense I mean, uh, are you willing to give me a blanket statement? No, Uh, because it definitely does depend a lot. Like with the Zoom training, like I will admit that in the middle of one, I don't mind it. Mm -hmm. Once it once I've done like the other thing is that setting it up is a hassle. Like I have to, you know, set up my computer, get slides downloaded, get all everything set up, adjust the settings to a Zoom meeting and then. So the thing with Zoom is that if you share your screen in a Zoom meeting, no one can see what you're doing with Zoom, which is a good feature if you're a teacher. You don't want your kids seeing, like, you chatting and stuff if you're sharing your screen, right? Oh, yeah. So the only way to do these um, trainings is to have a Google Meet set up. Oh, my god. People go in there, and then I share my screen in the Google Meet while running a Zoom session, and in that Zoom session... I have my laptop as the teacher, and then I have my phone and my iPad also in the meeting as (laughs) students. 
okay. so that I can show what it's like to have a student, some students in the classroom. Wow, you are good at this. I know, and but it's like it's a whole setup to yeah. like do this. Um, and also, like now that I'm at home, like it, it eats up a lot of Wi-Fi to be on oh, four yeah. meetings <laughs> at once. <laughs> yeah, essentially, you know. Um, so yeah, it's just like it's a whole thing to actually get set up. Um, I got pretty good at it, but it's still a thing. And then mm-hmm. I have to have my checklist up. Like I have to have all these documents ready to send out to everyone, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, then, and then once I'm doing it, then I'm in my groove, then it's fine because I am just monologuing. Like I know what I want to say. People ask questions if they have them, and that's easy to deal with. And then at the end, I feel exhausted and I don't want to do another one. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so, so that's a thing, like, with, with a lot of these things, if you're good at it, then it's, I don't find it a chore to be actively doing the thing. It's the, like, yeah. getting over the hump mm-hmm. and then dealing with the aftermath. So a common yeah. thing is something like dishes or laundry. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, I'm no rock star at doing either, but, like, I do them. They get done. But it's not like I enjoy doing them. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of it is the, like... It, I guess my blanket statement would be uh, even if I like I kind of go on autopilot when doing them and I'm not actively using them to get better at anything mm-hmm. like they're a chore yeah when it comes down to it which, which is why you don't enjoy them overall exactly yeah yeah I, I get I get very little benefit from doing them personally Mm-hmm. And a lot of typically some some sort of stress or anxiety uh, bookending mm-hmm. the activity itself. Yeah. It's interesting to me how, like, you really hit the nail on the head with some of kind of my similar feelings mm-hmm. about, like, things that I feel like I'm good at but I don't enjoy doing. Of, like, when I'm in the middle of it and I'm not remembering the fact that I don't enjoy doing this thing, it's really easy to get, like, caught up in me, like, and kind of enjoy actually like doing the act, but like mm-hmm. the beginning and end of it suck. Yep. And like the the being assigned this task sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like then when you're in the middle of it, it's just kind of like that like you're grinding away sort of mindset of like you're not really thinking about it. But then when mm-hmm. you think about it from a more like holistic viewpoint of like, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm doing a good job at it, but like I'm not learning anything. I'm not getting better at anything. Yeah, I guess the, Which, like, like, what I kind of liken it to for people who like analogies um, is imagine driving half an hour to go walk in circles around a gymnasium for, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. And then drive home. And you're like, that wasn't worth the cost of gas. Um, the actual act of it, those reasonably pedestrian is boring yeah you know like sure you can maybe you can maybe find ways to enjoy it like by adding external stuff but like the thing itself walking in a gymnasium is dumb and boring mm-hmm. and like it's not bad for you to do it if anything it's actually kind of good to just do this thing mm-hmm. and then you're done and you're like well, that was kind of dumb <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's kind of dumb, and why was I the one who had to do this? Mm-hmm. 
oh, just because I'm good at it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it can be a frustrating thing sometimes, for sure. Yeah, and, and there are other things like, I mean, you wouldn't know this because you're not a very fast typer, um, but things like... <laughs> Shots f***ing fired, okay? <laughs> uh, but things like uh, data entry type stuff, which I used to have to do a lot as part of curriculum development, where a lot of things are just like, oh, I kind of wrote, like, or I, I'm writing like a bunch of word problems, and the main thing of writing the word problems is picking the numbers that go in the word problem. And then writing the actual context around it is pretty easy for me. Or even something like, even if it's not a word problem, let's just say it is just like a bunch of multiplication problems, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of tedious to pick the numbers, but at least you're thinking about something. And then you get to the point where, all right, now I'm the person who has to actually just like plug these numbers that I chose into the actual problem writing framework. It's not hard. I'm pretty fast at it. But man, is it tedious and annoying. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so. Yeah. But that's how it goes. Yeah, that's how life is sometimes. Mm-hmm. Tedious and annoying and then you die. Yep. Amen. <laughs> Please don't make that the episode title. <laughs> Yeah, I may call it just tedious and annoying. Okay, we could maybe do that. But we'll see. We'll see what okay. uh, what little hidden nuggets there were in this episode. Okay. All right, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Give me one sec. So for this evening, Mark brought Foolish Mortals by uh, by Tom Horak Horak. By Tom Horak. Sorry, Tom. Butchered your last name. Um, <laughs> tell me how to pronounce it, Mark, because I'm mean, sure. I, it's... I think you're like missing the fact that there's an E at the end of it. Not at the end, but like near the end of it. Horak? There's also a C before the E-ick. E. <laughs> I would have got like horror check. Ah, check. Yeah, that, that makes sense. See, I knew I was butchering it. So I apologize to Tom first. <laughs> because, you know, we're boys, so I can I can just call him Tom. I don't even need to say his last name. Anyway. Anyways. Um, we've got... Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, we've got a dude in, like, a lab coat standing on a balcony next to a pigeon so i'm assuming it's a tall building high or not up he's not standing on a balcony he's standing on like a ledge on the side of what i assume is a tall building because there's a pigeon next to him and he's talking to a lady who's sticking her head out the window but they're not saying anything and yeah Maybe you need to scroll down like half an inch or notice that there's something yep. underneath the comic. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, sorry to startle you, ma'am. Dr. John Hart, professor, professor, professor of pigeon studies, NYU. That makes a lot more sense now. 
thanks for the the alley-oop there, Mark. Man, you hadn't had microphone troubles in a long time, and that's probably the worst reading of a comic you've had in quite a while. <laughs> I can't believe. Oh, it's been a day, Mark. Give me a break. Well, we'll keep this short and simple. Oh, Jesus. How did I miss that? I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, keep it, we'll keep it simple. It's a rookie mistake. This is like episode like 15 mistake. Jesus Christ. Let's go. Keep it simple. What do you prefer? Pigeons or seagulls? Oh, oh I don't want to make you edit more. Uh, <laughs> naughty word seagulls. Pigeons are way better. Okay. Have you had some run-ins with seagulls, like legitimate ones? Yeah, like I'll literally murder a seagull if I get my hands on it. Would you like to tell me why? Because them B words <laughs> be taking S words on me all the D word time. <laughs> How many times you been pooped on by a seagull, Mark? Zero. You know, you know who you know who has been pooped on on four separate instances by seagulls. Actually, one of them uh. now I'm recognizing definitely wasn't a seagull because it wasn't near the sea or body <laughs> of water. But I'm gonna still hold it against seagulls because it's their fault. Mm-hmm. Fair and enough. I'll, it's been traumatic. It's yeah. been a real a real strain on my life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, which was definitely a seagull, happened when I was a kid, and like that kind of crap scars you. Mm-hmm. Like, never forget the feeling of hot seagull poop down the side of your face. <laughs> so, in any of these instances, were you in a position to like go into a body of water, or were you just kind of like? touristy walking on a sidewalk sort of a thing and got unlucky yeah walking on a sidewalk sitting on okay. a bench eating ice cream yep had to throw in my ice cream afterwards because it also got in the ice cream mm-hmm. yeah rough <laughs> it's yeah it's just like it's one of those things you ever played in a band concert with bird crap on your back I can't say I have, Grant. (laughs) Yeah. Can't say I have either, but maybe I've played in a chapel or two. (laughs) Oh, Grant. You can't tell me that they have seagulls in Decora. (laughs) No, but it was a bird, and that's the one that I just noticed wasn't a seagull. But I still blame it on them, because the other three were definitely seagulls. Okay. You know what makes that even better? Hmm. You know what our concert attire was? A tux? No. Give you one better. All black. You know what color bird crap is techni- or normally? So Definitely not black. Typically. <laughs> yeah, typically. That's the word I was going for. <laughs> uh, yes, I would agree that, that typically it is not black. Yeah. Yeah. Really scars you. I'm sure, but I mean, I Sorry. can tell. I can hear the the vitriol, the animosity. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know I'd opened a Pandora's oh. box. You you dug into a deep wound there. Yeah. And That's rough. all all the fury is coming out this evening. Hmm. Do you have opinions on seagulls versus pigeons? 
Um, I don't have nearly as strong of ones as you, but I will agree that pigeons are way cooler. Um, the one thing I can say for seagulls is that if you're not within firing range of them, (laughs) then they are wonderful to watch just glide on thermals near shore. Okay. Like, if you actually just sit and and watch them and how very infrequently they flap, it actually is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But um, there's no such thing as a homing seagull Uh, (laughs) or or such things like, yes, the pigeons that currently exist are pretty uh, dull um, and not that interesting, but they do have a past of being pretty cool and pretty useful to us as people mm-hmm. you know carrier pigeons and all that good stuff yeah, um yeah. so i gotta give them props there mm-hmm. yeah but they are like the rats of the sky in cities um yeah but i don't i mean i guess i've never been in like new york or something and seen firsthand anything awful from a pigeon Mm-hmm. It's like they're garbage disposals, I'm sure, in a sense, on a small scale. But I don't know. I think seagulls are worse. Like seagulls actually do swoop at things. I don't think pigeons often do. Yeah. So. Yeah, I got. I gotta give a. Gotta give the award to pigeons here. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. we don't have too many urban city dweller viewers who hate pigeons. We're gonna unfollow us for this but I just hope we don't have many seagulls listening oh I hope we do have seagulls listening so they know (laughs) yo B words I'm F word coming for you you can put that in the bank what I will say to our bird listeners any crows or ravens out there we like you I'm gonna say another thing to our bird listeners Huge props on learning English. Like, that's probably a real <laughs> chore if you're not a part of our species. So That like, is true. That is like, true. Thumbs up to you. Yeah. But if you're a seagull, I'm still coming for you. Yeah. Unless you give us five stars on iTunes. No. No. It's not even worth it. I'm not going to sell my soul like that. I'm not going to sell my soul to the man. <laughs> but they might just have a, a nice piece of shiny jewelry to give you. Not worth it.